welcome to the Tales of the Cold North. Our recap of our adventures in our Dungeons and Dragons campaign featuring members of the Wisco Dice Tabletop Gaming Podcast. Welcome to the Tales of the Cold North. Brrr, it's chilly in here. And I am your dungeon master, the Conzi. And I am joined by a couple of the players in this epic campaign. Who do we have here? I'm Matt Failer. I play Eonros, the half-elf monk. Hello, this is Justin Skillings. I play Koth, the half-orc paladin. And some of the other characters from the campaign include Lindel, the halfling rogue. Swifty, the human wizard, Rika, the halfling druid, and Deacon, the half-elf sorcerer. This is episode six of the Tales of the Cold North, our Dungeons and Dragons recap podcast. And today is May 11th, 2022. On today's episodes, we're going to talk through a whole number of sessions, 9, 10, and 11. But first... Let's just dive right into that Dungeon Master tip. So I think this is a really pertinent tip. I have gave the players about three quarters of the way through the, the most recent session as they were telling me, hey, I'm going to roll investigation. You're investigating what? I don't know. I don't know what you're doing, but you're, you just made, or you would tell, or they would tell me a dice roll. And I'd be like, why did you roll a dice? Or why are you? Why are you getting ready to roll the dice? I haven't. E- I don't even know what you're doing exactly. But the thing that I was, I had to pause and say, okay, guys, you're doing this a bunch. The idea is don't tell the DM you're going to roll for a specific check. Let the DM tell you when a roll is required. If there's anything that will undo a player character or a player character party, it is a poor dice roll on a check. And if the DM was just going to give you that information anyways for free, and you went and rolled a one, you've taken that free information unless he's, unless that dungeon master is really forgiving, you you might have just lost the opportunity to get that information. So it goes for any game, but anytime you can avoid rolling dice, avoid it. And that is my tip. But now that we've gotten past the tip, let's dive right into what was going on in sessions 9 and 10. And for that, I'll turn it over to you, illustrious players, or should I say, foolhardy adventurers. Well, I I, I <laughs> will say thank you, but you know the the most important thing I think happened during this session set of <laughs> sessions, and and we've been kind of tossing this around for a while. And with any good adventuring group, we finally settled on a name. You know, we went from this motley crew of adventurers to actually being an adventuring party. And at least in the world, there's definitely these groups of people. And we had a, a player come up with a really good idea. I believe it was the player who plays Deacon, Stark Raving Mad. The and the the name that we finally settled on is Imminent Dawn as an adventuring group. You know, we we were in this frozen north where there is no dawn or barely any light and we loved the concept of calling our inter- in our adventuring group imminent dawn and then individual party members get the ability to be called the dawn breakers so yeah 
I thought that was really inventive. I thought it was a great idea. We did have a few other really neat ideas, but I really liked that. It was something the the DM has been pushing us for for a few adventuring because we run into people in the in the world and they're like, "Oh, are you part of some adventuring group? Oh, cool. What are you called?" And we're like, "Uh, don't know." <laughs> so, yeah. And it, 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 I think too it represents more of a gelling of our group uh, as just having getting comfortable with each other and playing together a number of sessions i mean we're talking about you know what i guess this this happened in session 11 so we finally came up with a name for our groups yeah. but uh but i think we finally settled we on the figured name out like what, what we wanted it to represent and like this is their goal and what we're trying to accomplish and yeah yeah so we'll kind of walk through a little bit. You know, when we wrapped up session eight, we'd just kind of gotten to Care Denival. Hadn't really gotten too much time to check out the town. But we finally, in start of session nine, got to check out the town in more depth. We know the old inn is shut down. We know the innkeeper, you know, is is being supported by his daughter, um, who was an old love interest of Ian Rose's. The keep obviously has been taken over by somebody. There's definitely something weird going on in the keep. This mercenary group won't let us in to see the speaker. Not that we've had a great track record with seeing speakers. You know, it, we did really well in Targos, but you know, <laughs> you know, we didn't take aggressive tone with this one though. I was pretty proud of myself and several others for, yeah, for not going super kick aggressive. In the gate or uh, <laughs> immediately at. <laughs> Draw weapons to the guard. Yeah. <laughs> but the people in town aren't super happy, but their lack of happiness seems to be less about what's going on with the speaker and in the keep and more about just the overall situation of the world. So, I mean, it's cold, it's dark. Their primary sources of income, which involves trade and fishing yep. on the lake, is just like not happening. We got some rest. We then decided we really wanted to move forward with trying to find a way into the keep. We know something weird is going on there. We want to do something. There was a there was a really good idea I felt like thrown on the table in this situation, which is, hey, our druid in the previous episode had taken the opportunity when it was really cold to transform into a fox. And then somebody's like, hey, could you transform into something cool? And then go into the keep and start checking things out. And she was like, absolutely. Yeah. We spent a little time out of, out of the game on discord and things kind of discussing potential approaches. We did a little bit of, you know, outside planning to just toss ideas around. And uh, I can't remember when this idea came up, but that, you know, we definitely considered just, Hey, let's, let's try to break in or like scale a wall or, maybe you know try to do some kind of scam our way in we, there were a couple of approaches that got kind of discussed outside the session as well which which was just a kind of a cool way to kind of keep the game going outside of actually playing and just sort of what what could we try to do but yeah ultimately i think this was the best idea for for and and how it played out was was fantastic the druid took the opportunity and i'm trying to remember did she she, I thought she thought of a couple different ones. I think we settled on, was it a, a rat or a, a mouse? A rat or a mouse, maybe a mouse. We definitely wanted it such that the wizard, Swifty's familiar MacGuffin, the owl, 
could carry her in and fly her in and like drop her somewhere safe further up in the keep or into a window slit or arrow slit or something like that. Yeah. That was kind of the idea that she needed to be small enough to, for the owl to easily carry her. Yep. So she was able to, you know, slink around a little bit and was able to, you know, at least spot in the one window. I think there was somebody sick and we kind of suspected it later after later discussion that it was the, the speaker. And if I recall, because she can only do it twice a day, the first time, I want to say she slipped and fell or something like that. And so that, that that's how it that's how it ended. Um, no, okay. So the first yeah, time she got in the castle. She got the, the she old magic to, to get her into uh, a level where she could get into a window or something like that. Yeah, she did fr- get in. The first sure. time she got attacked by, as I recall, uh, a cat, I think. Yeah, it was. she she went into under the door of a room, I think. Yep. Or maybe uh yeah, just slipped into a room somehow. <laughs> just ran into a cat. Ran into a cat, and they popped her out. But then, you yeah. know, she was able to chase off the cat and then uh, changed back into another rat. Figured she'd climb down the, the outside yeah. and uh, slipped and fell and yeah. got caught. Hit the ground, immediately poofed back into her normal halfling druid form. Yeah. She did get caught at that point, and I and I I will. I'm mentally going, oh man, this is going to end poorly. And she, I give her credit, man. She, she really played it well. She 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 talked her way out of it, and it, had it some should be said very nice that roles. We the rest of the party was all sort of huddled, kind of at the like, weren't we just kind of hiding out? along one of the walls of the castle correct while this all happened and like i remember i remember her being like are you guys gonna come rescue me or something and we were kind of <laughs> like well uh you'll probably be okay <laughs> we didn't really know what to do we were just sort of i mean we didn't have any of this information really either yeah, um, I think Swifties <laughs> might have seen her pull okay. that last section, but <laughs> yeah, I remember her initial out of character <laughs> response was like, "Are you guys going to come and save me?" I, I I was stunned she talked her way out of that one though. She did a really she was quick on her feet though. She she was I I'm, I'm trying to remember the story she came up with, but she she basically feigned ignorance and played it completely naive like oh where am i what happened i like she played it as like a moment ago i was in my hometown of wherever she she gave another town and i just suddenly was here i don't know what's going on (laughs) she did it it was really good i can't remember what she rolled but she rolled something phenomenal as i I think she She rolled a 20 i feel like she i think she i think it was a 20 uh on her buff check or, or whatever it was yeah yeah I, I just remember it was like I was so stunned to see her walk out the front door. <laughs> yeah, and she was trying to like she was trying to convince the this what we assume is like the captain or leader of this mercenary group, Black Swords, who had taken over the castle. Mm-hmm. Um, like she was speaking directly to, I think I think it was a tiefling, right? Yeah, and. I forget his name at this point, but yeah, she she rolled so well. She convinced him to she 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 talked him into letting her go, right? 
yeah, she she just they escorted her out of the keep and <laughs> let her go. So, oh man, so good. So at this point, it, it it had been a little bit of time during the day. You know, my character didn't really want to impose on the innkeeper any more than we had. I mean, they they don't have a big house, and we crammed six additional people plus <laughs> MacGuffin in there the last time. So I'd specifically asked him and I was like, Hey, could we maybe use your inn?" because he previously had the inn, but it, it had been boarded up, really not used. And I was like, Hey, can we use the inn?" and we'll just set up shop there. And at least we're not in a, you know, we're not in your, your hair the whole time. I got the feeling that this was more of a reason that you didn't have to role play. Um, interactions with your former with Yanros's former uh love love, love who was <laughs> very clearly still enamored with Yanros and pretty much just giving Yanros whatever he wanted. Yeah, I mean there's a little bit of that and it wasn't me trying to avoid role playing. Um it was more of a so I the way I kind of have mentally thought of this as a role-playing perspective is Ianros has been out in the world and here's this, you know, small town girl, you know, she obviously still has feelings for him, but he's grown and he feels oh, very you're, you're uncomfortable. Too good for her now. No, okay. it's not that he's too good for her. <laughs> he feels like there's this very important thing going on right now. And now mm. is not the right time to get tied down in this. It's yeah, very uncomfortable like for him to be yeah. like, you know, her like basically throwing herself at him when he's like, I might be dead tomorrow. You know, you should be able to go mm. forward with your life without me tying you down or getting you pregnant and walking away. So yeah, it was kind of like, he's feeling uncomfortable about the whole situation. So he's like, yeah, if we're not staying in the house, I don't have to listen to her. <laughs> Cause as I recall, she was like, you could stay here. <laughs> I was like, so and i recall at this point the party kind of split in two some of the people decided to keep an eye on the guards and what was going on in the keep and i think like three or four of us decided we were gonna go check out the inn so we made it in to the inn and the other group didn't they run across a couple of guards that started wandering through town Deacon. Well, uh, I'm trying to remember. This was a little while ago. Coth and Deacon basically try to stake out. There's there's another, I guess, tavern. It was sort of closer to the keep. And our whole thing was we were just trying to see if we could watch if there were movement between the town and the keep. And if we could kind of find out if there's a way we could sneak into the into the keep while guards are moving between or i think in our heads we were thinking we you know capture some guards you know put on guard outfits and like kind of talk our way through somehow or sneak in at least Mm -hmm. to get us through the gate but yeah we were like at another at the at the non the the actual functional inn or tavern or whatever kind of trying to keep an eye on on movement yeah while the rest of the party was sort of trying to get 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 set up at the at the rundown inn yeah as the time passed, we kind of got set up at the inn and really hadn't made it too far into checking things out. But a couple of guards 
left as i like you said the the tavern and yep. started making their way to the inn and they decided to come into the inn right we at that time also heard a big ruckus in the back when they came in and we hadn't made it to the back rooms yet so now we've got this problem right we've got the guards coming in and we've got potentially people in the back the the guards weren't very difficult to take down you know we went with non-lethal um we didn't really want to kill them we just figured hey here's our opportunity we have a couple of guards maybe we can sneak in using them yep so they went down pretty quick as i recall a couple people went to check out the back and we very quickly found out there were people who had been living there and we deduced from what we could tell that there had been some I think they're called Druger, Dark Dwarves, yep. who had been living actually at the inn. It seemed like they'd been there several days. And I think from interrogation with the guards, we discovered that they were in the process of selling Shardolin to the Druger on a regular basis. Right. And the guards, the guards had they had like these amulets made of Shardolin mm-hmm. um, from their dealings with the Durger. We ended up like interrogating well we tried to interrogate both of them but we were we were interrogating the guards right we uh got got this information about their deals with the chardolin oh this is also where we find out about the black swords potentially worship this demon levistus because the the guard basically was telling us that they followed levistus and i think the guard floyd was it was the one that ended up helping us was basically just sort of not really a, a zealot for Levistus. He was just sort of in it for the, as a mercenary, kind of like, you know, yeah, they're paying. Yeah, I felt like he was the new guy. He hadn't been there very <laughs> long, and he was like, dude, it's not worth it. I, yeah, you go ahead. So he kind of helped us get through the front gate. We talked him into like, hey, let, help us get into the gate. Talk us through the gate so we can get into the keep, yeah. Took advantage of that. Uh, made our way to the keep. And... As we were going through the keep, it was interesting because we got in the front gate and kind of entered this, I don't want to call it protracted combat, but it was like these small sectional combats where yeah. we, we'd we have like two guards at the front gate. And I, I just happened to have a whole sequence of really good rolls. And, you know, I'm a monk, I have flurry of blows, and I would go after these two guards and I was like, oh, I'm going to put... I'm going to try to do non-lethal and take down the guards. And I'd be like, I'll throw two attacks on this one and one on that one. And, you know, I don't think it dawned on us that the guards might be all really low level. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I'm like thinking, this is going to turn to a major melee. And it was like, pop, pop. Oh, I literally just knocked out both guards. And then we moved into the next section and I pop, pop, dropped two guards. And yeah, we were, uh, we were sneaking. I think uh, Rika had, had um what did she put on us uh, was it pass without a trace pass without a trace yeah so that we could at least get like i think it was what, like a plus 10 to stealth checks or something like that yeah um as we kind of snuck through the the keep like kind of yard and then into the into the main building yeah we made our way upstairs took out the guard that was right out front of where we knew the speaker was and at this point it's like the end of session nine we get into the doors 
and the speaker is just in awful shape. He looks terrible. He's moaning. He's in in just really really bad shape. So gave Koth an opportunity to. Uh, did you end up? I cured poison. I think with like my lay on hands neutralized poison. I think we the just sort of best guess was that they were poisoning him to kind of mm-hmm. you know keep him out of the picture. Wasn't dead, but continually being lightly poisoned or something. Yeah. Yeah, which did seem to help him. He started to come around. I mean, he's still, I mean, like anybody, you know, he'd been poisoned for an extended period of time. Yeah. Uh, but then kind of told us he had some people in that were in his employ and they were not in the main keep. And he really would be happy to help us, but really wanted us to go get rescue his people. He yeah. would not just leave the keep. So I give him a lot of credit for that as the speaker. Yes, yeah, so we had to go find where they were imprisoned which led us down into the kind of lower levels of the keep i believe we did do a little bit more sneaking you know we we kind of snuck. we tried we tried <laughs> i don't know if we succeeded as well but we snuck out and the keep is the only military really facility in this air region there's fairly large round tower in this one quadrant and we knew that's where the area down to where we suspected the the key the the people that normally work in the keep were being kept yep yeah that that was a those guards were a little more serious than the the gate guards it wasn't too hard of a combat but they were definitely hitting harder i remember yeah, it didn't last too long, but it, like you said, there was definitely more organized. It wasn't like the other guys where you pop them once and they just yep. drop. They were definitely more serious on the, on that part and had some casters, had some people with bows. It was a bit more of a, you know, you got to strategically work around a crowded field where they're storing stuff and, you know, they have a little bit of protection and yeah. you couldn't just like, charge across the open field and take people out so the area under the under the keep was really interesting i thought because it, we we follow this sort of trapdoor ladder down to the i mean i guess it'd be sort of a, a sewer area uh and there's just this, this large channel of water in this tunnel and we can see down there that there's these sort of little offshoot tunnels further down but the like the bottom of this tunnel is just icy water Right. And so there's like a single little raft that is in the water down there. And we sort of have to like get everybody on this tiny little raft and sort of slowly, I think, I think there was like a pole or something to push the raft, I forget, or, or maybe a rope or something. And we had to kind of slowly creep up to like the next opening and like see what was there. Maybe the prisoners were there or maybe it was something else. And that's where this sort of final crazy combat ended up was in in one of these offshoot tunnels down in the sort of sewers sewer down there and we're like on this little raft we get to an opening and this is the room where there's like an icy figure in the middle of this small chamber and like just a bunch like a bunch of guys and a caster down there for this this last combat yeah, there, there was two guys two guys plus a caster i thought there were three Two plus the caster. Yeah. Two guys in the caster. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It wasn't a very big room. No, no. but but they did take some pot shots at you, as I recall, through the, mm-hmm. uh, which 
kind of as I, if I recall, you guys had to back off because yeah. I stayed up above and I was guarding to make sure somebody didn't like come in behind us, and then we were totally um, hosed. I can't remember who else stayed with me, but I think there were two of us up above and four of us were down by the boat. And yeah, we were we were stuck in that raft, and they were sort of shooting at us, and like we were just we didn't want to like rush in without the whole group, so we kind of had to row back to the area underneath that tower where you guys were pick you up yeah that was interesting um you know for a tense comment because it was just like these tight quarters and we were stuck on this raft so we had to like quickly get back over there and like all get off the raft and kind of funnel into this tiny little room where like it's a small room plus there's this big like i don't know seven foot tall frozen statue thing yeah it was it was a pretty tense combat I remember we were so gun shy because <laughs> we'd been through it with Revison and Oh yeah. It was like, oh God, we're in tight quarters and there's a <laughs> caster. Yeah. <laughs> they could drop us all. And um you know, yeah. it, it and it was it was like you said, it was a tense combat, but um, not too bad to deal with, but it was I think it was just more of our own nervousness with the scenario because they had the advantage certainly on that terrain. And I think there's some unknowns. I mean, that, you guys oh. crushed that spellcaster in less than a round. I think I only got to throw one spell. Really? Um, well, yeah, see, we've learned some lessons. <laughs> don't, but, <laughs> don't yeah, due to the, the, due to the close quarters. I was, I couldn't help, but like once you guys were able to get landfall, I couldn't help but, you know, you were on top of her right away. So like, yeah. it was a female caster. Yeah. There so. wasn't a lot of distance oh. in there. So I think like Ianros and Koth were able to close the distance pretty much immediately. I needed What I needed in that scenario was a hell of a tank for a, for a warrior to bog, bog down the main, <laughs> like main block way the doorway. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys caster get stuck sits with, Yep, get stuck with. Hmm, I can take some attacks of opportunity. I can I can forfeit, you know, some some potential attacks for opportunity to get past this guy, but he's a wall. Nope, yeah, didn't do that here. And there was definitely, you know, once we cleared that out, there were some interesting, sketchy kind of magic stuff here. We found a, a shrine to Levistus. Uh, that's a thread I will tell you, Ben. I'm really looking forward to understanding. Because that's the interesting thing I find about this campaign is they weave all these little stories and side things in. And it's very difficult in my mind to figure out which ones are just like side quests that aren't super consequential and which ones are like, oh, is Ariel really the threat or is it Levistus? Because Levistus <laughs> sounds like a major problem. And then we've got this huge dwarf thing going on too with the Shardolin. And it's like, what's the biggest threat right now? So it's interesting because things keep popping up. I will say after 11 sessions now, you the options are starting to narrow a little bit. Yeah. I think you're you're starting to see a little more of the threads come together. Mm-hmm. It's still got a lot you still have like all sorts of options and that's one of the things I love about this campaign from a DM seat is people often want uh campaigns that are very 
you know, don't, you know, don't railroad me as the players. This campaign does everything possible to not railroad the players. And that's, it's a beautiful thing because it's, there's so many tantalizing little things that could be explored or investigated or, or you as the DM can take this as a source book in this campaign. And some of these little offshoots that are side quests to the main campaign can become just big blossoming things because you can tease your players all the time. <laughs> and the things that they're like, oh, I really want to figure out this LaVistas thing, or they want to really figure out this other thing, or well, I really want to figure out this thing. Those are the things that you as the DM can start to hone in on and start to embellish when necessary as, to help really get your players invested in the story you're telling and allow your players some feel like they're having impact on the story as well. Yeah. No, I thought that was, like I said, there's just so many interesting threads that I've seen. So there were definitely some interesting people in captured in the basement in the Levistus area. We found a magic user who is from the host tower of Arcana in Luskin, you know, not at all a problem. I mean, I can't imagine why somebody with the name Avarice would be a problem. But well, and uh, she's also an albino tiefling, which is is interesting, and maybe sort of. Well, she, um, I'm forgetting the name of the group that she's a part of, but this group that this wizard is a part of is actually pretty important to Koth's backstory. Mm. Um, one of the wizards of the of this guild or or group, uh, Ben. If you can pull the name, I'm just blanking. It's the host the host tower of the arcane, which is this giant set of towers in the in the city of Luskin, which is probably the it's it, the city of Luskin is also known as the the city of sails. It's the probably the northernmost port city on the sword coast uh before before you get to the spine of the world and and the the cold of the of Icewind Dale and and in this in the host tower uh each tower itself is ruled by a, a different wizard and those wizards have you know they they have other apprentices and other other wizards that serve underneath them in each tower and each to and then the wizards are all Generally, the, the the ruling wizards of each tower are generally equals, but uh, and and have their own guild. But the tower itself kind of follows and aligns with whatever um, maybe the alignment of that wizard is. That's the ruling hmm. ruling member of the tower. And yeah, generally speaking, if you read some of the 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 novelizations of the way some of these, some of the towers and the tower wizards are depicted for the host tower of the arcane. These aren't necessarily, um, uh, they're, they're, they're not necessarily people that, uh, uh, are looking out for the best in the world. There is an incredible amount of ambition yeah. and backstabbery and yeah. The the group I was trying to remember was the Arcane Brotherhood. That that was what was mentioned that I, that was part of my backstory that this yeah. Avarice is part of this <clears throat> Arcane Brotherhood. Um which happens to be basically the group that when Koth used to be a slave, that was his owner basically was a member of this Arcane Brotherhood. 
um, and they had been experimenting on some of the, the gladiatorial prisoners that Koth was a prisoner with and things like that. So when Koth found that out, he basically wanted to kill this wizard like immediately. Had to be talked out of it a little bit. I, it, it's, it's a tricky thing, I think, as a paladin. From like Koth's perspective, this person is represents like a group that he considers to basically be just evil. Like if you if you support the stuff that they were doing, but when Avarice kind of explained a little bit more and just sort of like, look, I'm not, we're not all like the same. The Brotherhood has their own goals, and they each have their sort of own ambitions. I didn't even necessarily know what was going on with this other wizard who Koth. Who owned all these prisoners? So basically, she she kind of made a, a a case, and at least reasoned enough for Koth to kind of stay his hand, as it were. But <laughs> an interesting encounter. Well, I mean, the, that's the interesting thing I always find is is the farther we go in this, the more and more people's backstories start to stitch together, and. Like I'm still waiting to see more depth and maybe he's keeping it close to his chest, but like Deacon Deacon is from the tribes of barbarians that reside on the glaciers far to the North. But what's interesting is, is he's been so mum about his backstory. We could have had threads that are interlaced there that I don't know if he's ever mentioned. Well, there's li- there's been little things. I mean, like his we've heard a little bit about some of the dreams that he's had when we were that you know near that elven statue and near Goodmead in the caves near Goodmead, mm-hmm. and I think one other place he kind of had a similar thing happen. But yeah, he definitely is not sharing. I mean, yeah, I, for my part, I haven't shared the real secret stuff. Definitely, <laughs> so. Yeah, this yeah. one is um well this has been interesting though because like this is where when you tell me that I don't think I realized <laughs> it in the moment that that's why you were reacting so strongly, right? So this is interesting because like as we've gone farther and this is one thing I do appreciate Ben about the way you drive all this and it maybe it's built more into the campaign but we're getting these little threads and we're learning more about individual characters. And we had a few sessions that were very Rika focused because it all revolved around Revison. And at the beginning, it was a little bit more around Lindell's backstory and Mm -hmm. the group that he was with. And now we've come into a couple of sessions where it's very central to how my character grew up. Right. So we've gotten a little bit more window into how Ian Rose kind of became the way he was. And it's just interesting because we're learning more. And like you said, some of us maybe are opening up and others are like, I'm not sharing yet. So <laughs> yeah. Be interesting yeah. to see how that. I will say the only character that has not, that is just starting to get, that I've just started doing backstory drops on. Uh, backstory tie-ins is Swifty. Yeah, well, and we do see some of that in, in session eleven coming up. So yeah. it's it is it is starting to come out. There is definitely definitely things going on that are going to make things more interesting <laughs> uh, for several of the characters in the in the party. 
that have either just recently come to light or are going to very soon. Yeah. Cool. That's that's fun. Yeah. Uh, so so we kind of wrapped up in the basement and we we found there was a a lever and we were able to free the actual people that work in the keep at least a handful of them there were a few people that weren't there that we were a little surprised by which was the speaker's wife i think or or something like that we Mm -hmm. there were some people that we were kind of surprised weren't there so we made our way out of the tower and as we were coming up into the round tower we come out we find the town is there. So <laughs> the town had basically, you know, rallied, decided they were going to drive the rest of the black swords out. Pitchforks in hand, torches. I mean, yep. the whole like good the old whole mob. mob look, yeah. <laughs> yep. So, you know, we got that, um, you know, had the freed people and then went looking for the speaker's wife <laughs> and found this, woman who we assume was maybe his wife uh, but it was really a mummif- almost mummified completely dried out corpse that was in one of the rooms mm-hmm. uh, and that was when we kind of found out the speaker might not be all there so you know he was kind of talking like his wife was a ghost and right there and well he would talk to her to- yeah right he, he would just be talking to thin air at some points after that right absolutely so <laughs> you know uh the the dm and i had a conversation about it and i i had because my character's not super comfortable at this point but we did reach an agreement with him and it's hard to tell was some of it because he's just always been that way or was some of it because he's been poisoned for so long that stuff i mean even if you cure poison in a magical way it's just going to take a while to maybe get back to normal so mm. uh the guy's definitely a little off though but we do reach an agreement with speaker Cranach, and kind of the agreement we reach is that we will help train guards because we don't want this place to be just taken over it's literally the only military facility this far north and so we agree to train some he's going to agree to back and help Goodmead on certain things that are coming up for vote, uh, which I think we have like another month, month and a half before there's a conclave, so to speak, of speakers all kind of come Mm -hmm. together. So we we have about a 10-day, maybe two 10 days um, to pass. And during this time, basically Midwinter's Day occurs, which is, uh, you know, very big thing for the people in this town and in a lot of towns really it's like any way any sort of festival in the middle of winter enter winds midwinter's day has come on this frightful day the winds have become even more fierce the temperatures have dropped and a blizzard that when done will leave two feet of snow Oriel's wrath on Icewind Dale and the cold north has whipped into full frenzy. It is clear the Frost Maiden is not pleased. What this means, the players will find out. All right, so this is actually the very end of our session 10, but it kind of bled over because we had a month off. You know, somebody, you know, got COVID, so it had been a month since we'd, over a month, two months really since we'd played. 
So we revisited a little bit of this, but this is kind of the beginning of session 11 and in, in the end of session 10. So kind of the tail end of this, we're just wrapping up our stuff and in, in Hiln shows up the dwarf Hiln, uh, also within tow Ravison and give the party credit. They didn't kill her on outright when we saw her. It was surprising though. I mean, that was like a <laughs> Hiln shows up and we're like, yay. And they're like, also <laughs> Ravison. What? <laughs> Yeah, I think Helen might have even said like, "Hey, don't, before you do anything, let me explain." I, I feel like maybe she said something like that. Yeah, he did. You know, at this point, we really have to decide our paths forward, and and like I, I agree with you, Ben. It feels like our paths have narrowed some, but so we kind of have these major threads. Ravison shares with us that on Midwinter's Day, her sister was raised by Ariel. So Ariel like whispered in her ear, her sister's ear, and then raised her, but she's like undead or dead or something to that effect. And the description we got made me feel like she is the same as Sephic at this point. So whatever Sephic was, which we never really quite discovered, she's now taken on that. So I almost, I don't know if I want to call it this, but I, I feel like it's her avatar, so to speak. It's almost like she resurrects somebody as like a pseudo avatar or something like that. Mm. It's kind of where I my head know. goes. Yeah, you're not going to tell me and that's okay. <laughs> it's part of the I, fun, I man. try, Matt. There's a good try. <laughs> and Hiln shares with us that Vernus was seen heading northeast of Lonelywood. You know, kind of out into the tundra. And Hiln also shares with us this map that they got surrounding this dwarven dark dwarf fortress. We know that they're gathering Shardolin. We know that they want to resurrect a Shardolin dragon. Would like to call out that the map that that Hilm gives us is a physical prop map, for like better term, which is obviously a section of Icewind Dale. I mean, like Kelvin's Cairn is on there, but then all these locations are labeled with just like some kind of runic dwarvish maybe script and like mm-hmm. that that is the physical thing that that ben handed the party from hill actual physical map with dwarvish script on it super cool yeah it was pretty awesome watching you guys try to then decode the dwarven that was on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we yeah. i mean we jumped me and matt just immediately we're like okay can we <laughs> like can we look at this means? and sort this out? And and we got a, pretty uh, close on most of it. Do a so. um what 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 do you call those? Where you, it's like a like a crypto thing. Not oh man, that's that's a different term nowadays. But basically, each character maybe fits some letter in the alphabet, and you kind of figure it out from like mm-hmm. you know which ones could be the the word the or e's or i's or whatever, and try to solve it that way. So we know we have this dwarf fortress and Hiln would like us to check out the Druger and try to figure out what the hell's going on with the Shardolin. You know, in the back of our heads, we also know we've got issues with Targos, but we don't know what to do with them now. And we also, because this group of black swords, as near as we can tell, was somehow probably coming out of Targos. I feel like that connection it has been made by the party, but is almost solely based on the fact that they're all tieflings like i i'm not sure that is a real connection <laughs> like it like the 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 leader of the the mercenaries of black stars was a tiefling mm-hmm. kedroth actually that was his name 
and like we ran into some tiefling in Targos. Was there an actual like concrete connection between them, or is it just the fact um, that, that they're tieflings? That's you know, it's the funny come thing up a is, couple times, but I never went there. I never went there with the tiefling limit. How I got there was what they tried to pull in good mead and what happened here. Oh, right. Okay. Just like trying to take over the town Correct. kind of thing. Yeah. Trying to take okay. over the speakership so that they can get what they want. And Targos tried to pull that in good meat. And that's how I made the jump. It had nothing to do with the tiefling. I, I got mean, you. Okay. So you're not. So, okay. Okay. I mean, no, that, that uh, is oddly, I forgot connection. that he was a tiefling <laughs> until you said it tonight. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, no, it does make that connection a little bit stronger the way you the way you describe that yeah they, they yeah, tried to take I, the speakership and good mead we know how that turned out well you know the funny thing is is and and, and this is i feel like we hit the end of session 10 and we did have a 10 day and this is bad on the party right because we didn't ever mention this because i just didn't think about it but we were trying to get things moving on session 11 and decide where we were going to going and mm-hmm. I don't think anybody ever asked the question of the GM, can we go through the papers from Kedroth to try to see, like, are there links? Like, who are they getting their orders from? And Ooh, you think, okay, that's interesting. You know what I mean? No, I don't think any of us ever asked the question. If there was, like, yeah, leftover stuff at the well, keep. I can't. That's, I mean, they ran, but I can't imagine they could have taken everything, no. you know, unless yeah. they were really methodical about like burning their orders every time they got them. Oh, I would man, have to cool. imagine there was probably something there that we just never asked the GM and that's our bad, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thread to follow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> One more. Now that we're not there. <laughs> so, and then we, we had heard rumors of a problem in Karakonig too, which is the next for people that aren't familiar with the, the region. Karakonig is the next city on this side of the region, North of care. Denable. Uh, this was the, was it raiders? I like I like things being stolen. Uh, I thought the Karakonic was either that or problems with raiders from okay. yeah. the Regged Raiders or something. Yeah, like maybe that. that was it. It's been a while think, since we got things that. Are thread. Being, things are just disappearing, and mm. nobody nobody sees who mm. is taking things. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, dwarves! Damn dwarves! <laughs> That is purely speculative on my part. Yeah. We d- we did reach a decision though. I mean, at least we did reach a decision on which direction we wanted to go. Yep. We I mean, I think we most everyone agreed that Reverend's sister was the most immediate threat. Absolutely. That's what, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, we did we, we, we didn't think we could go and assault a fortress quite yet. <laughs> Sorry, Hill just... made it sound so easy. There's a giant <laughs> dwarf, dark dwarf fortress. Don't you want to go fight it? Yeah. And we were like, well, maybe in a few levels. We decided to pursue Vernus or undead Vernus. Tying back to something, uh, a rumor that we'd heard about previously, we were going to travel through Tourmaline, or is that right? Tourmaline? On the way to Lonelywood or the Lonelywood area. Because we heard there was troubles with kobolds in the mines, and uh, figured it, we could at least investigate that on the way and see what was going on. And, and I feel like we learned our lesson a little bit. We did not take off across the tundra unprepared. <laughs> we decided yep. to stick to the roads this time. Going across the tundra, we got so lost and it got so cold. But 
we made the decision to head around. We stuck to the roads this time. Yep. Did make it without any incident. Term. Ter- I think it's tourmaline. Mm-hmm. Then started and went. Where do you go when you just get in? You got to go to the to the bar, man. You got to check <laughs> things out and go to the bar. That's where it's happening. And and then that had to be one of the most interesting interactions in the whole adventure. So, so. to set yeah to to set the scene <laughs> this and and also just set the scene of like we haven't played D anD D in I don't know it's been at least a month right that we. Been too. Missed, missed a month but as we get to kind of the tavern and in we there is this crew of people sitting outside there is some small creatures that have these long tails there is a goliath there is a, a robed figure with a staff maybe there was a couple other folks too a couple um, of halflings or half elves, sorry. Half, half elves, that's yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some elves or whatever. And uh, yeah, they're just sort of hanging out. <laughs> I think we, most of us, kind of were like, this seems like it's like another adventuring party pretty much right off the bat, right? Koth just basically like, we, we know we're looking for kobolds, and it looks like these things that have tails might be kobolds. So Koth just goes up and like, it's like, hey, are these kobolds? Like, he just just walks right the hell up has a, a lovely conversation with this goliath a real meeting of the minds i think that's that's how i would describe it would you say matt <laughs> yeah it was it was interesting because because koth has a very specific speech and the goliath was just as articulate and <laughs> it was just a really fun role-playing interaction that i just enjoyed because i remember just sitting there for like five minutes going I don't even want to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, you know, that like the Goliath is like pretty much towers over Koth, who's big, obviously, and they're just sort of like grunting things at each other and like like oh man, I wish I could uh, I wish I had written, <laughs> written down some of the stuff that we talked about, but it came out that this this is in fact another adventuring party and they had basically taking care of this issue with the kobolds. They mentioned fighting some monster with a beak and tentacles or something like that. And I think they the 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 Glyphos at their party name was the Ball Eaters. And they had like a symbol that looked like maybe a, kind of a beholder as their as their group symbol. And and I have to ask Ben if this was completely stuff you made up on the fly or something that's in there. I gotta know. I can't give you any of my secrets. Sorry. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> oh, that's. I, I I will say that the uh, the members of this group may have been pulled from various popular. Oh, interesting. Online D and D RPG games, or characters from novels that I particularly like. Um, but uh, oh, awesome. or that I remember, but uh, uh, I said so, that some of the it's some of the stuff like you don't have to as a DM cre- be all creative all the time. Yeah. There's so much out there that you can just when when you need to insert something that's fun for the group and also a mechanism of hey guys. 
you're already past this from a level's yeah. perspective. Don't go. We don't need to do this adventure. It's it's totally fine to do something like this where I'm like, oh well, you know, I've got this running character of Hiln who's kind of hiring people to do things. And this adventure, while I think it would be really fun, the party is leveled past it at this point, right? It's not no longer on the milestone track. Mm. So, so to speak. So let's, let's just circumvent doing this by giving them a really fun opportunity. And how can I make up some characters, maybe on the fly, maybe not, that would be really interesting for them to interact with. And what better than to, to take some, some inspiration maybe from Dragonlance and Critical Role and a couple other places to throw oh, some characters that made up this party. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I totally saw you were channeling a little Raistlin in there. But uh yep. a little um, grog from Critical Role season one. Yeah. And uh But oh, I, yeah. I I mean the thing I really liked about it though was it made the world alive to me. Yeah, yes. 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 Because while we were off doing the things that were important, right? Somebody else shows up to do things. It's not like yep. anybody played an online um, RPG. Uh, it doesn't even have to be online. Let's just say a computer RPG. Yeah, We all know we can get lost and go do a thousand side quests, right? And then come back to the main quest whenever the hell we want. What I really liked about this was, uh, I'm just going to call the Cobalt quest was a side quest. Yep. And we were like, oh, we'll come back to it. But the world was alive. Somebody showed up. We're not the only adventuring group out there, right? So it was just, to me, it made the world feel alive because things keep moving forward. It's not like everything goes on pause till we magically show up in town and decide to deal with it. So Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. You said it better than I could have. That is exactly how it made me feel to realize, oh, they did this already. Like, this group came and did this, like... And whether it was a, a thing to say, hey, you already, you know, you shouldn't be fighting kobolds at level four or whatever, <laughs> you know, but just that, you no, know, some, some other party came and did this. You said it so perfectly, Matt, like that. And kudos, Ben. Perfect, perfect, like way of handling that. I, it was great. I, I did have some, I, and it was also, I had not prepared that adventure. Like I hadn't went through freshly and I did not think that would be something you guys would even closely try to do of the options that you had. Right. So I was a, like, I probably could have guided you through that adventure and it would have been okay, but it wasn't really anything I had mentally prepared for, for that session. And I do find myself that if we do things that I have mentally prepared for, everyone walks away with a more enjoyable uh, session. So yeah. I didn't really railroad it, but I def like it, there wasn't a lot of, there was no story narrative for doing that particular adventure anymore. Mm -hmm. And it, and it definitely was outside of the, let's say the milestone track that I'm using that tracks like getting you guys leveled. So we could have spent a session doing it, maybe two sessions. And then you guys would have been like, okay, it's, we've played like four or five sessions. Can we level? And I'd been like, no, <laughs> you went after kobolds. What did you think? Yeah. He's a level one, you know, fodder. Come on. Yeah. yeah. But, but it, you know, from there, the, oh good, the way you did a bit. Awesome. Yeah. But there, you know, the nice thing is though, they did have a little bit of information for us, um, That's shared right. very similar to what Vern, um, uh, 
Helm had, but at least, oh, somebody in their party had died because oh, they ran right. across Vernus, and this is about where she was. So we knew we were on the right track, but took the opportunity from there to head to Lonely Wood, you know, checked in with uh, Mimsy, which is somebody, you know, the speaker of Lonely Wood, and found she was really happy. So we had never gone back to get paid for our helping her out with Ver <laughs> well actually it was with Revison, right yep. and the 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 white moose and the other things that have been going on so we'd never been back to town because we'd been tracking them we thought south and gone completely west across the the frozen plains and we came back and she was actually really really happy which is awesome you know so now i'm feeling like i guess a little better because i feel like mm -hmm. we're we're getting in good with several of the speakers of the smaller towns. And while yes. Targos is, I still think, a threat, we've done good things for three or four towns, which might give us an opportunity when we get to, I think there's going to be some political machinations going on here. Oh, you bet. Yeah, that's, and that's a good point. I think we might have enough goodwill with, you know, you being the speaker of Goodmead, and now we've got two or three small towns that we've helped out, that suddenly we might be able to flip the script on them, you know, when they try to make a move. But hmm. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But and we bought dogs, <laughs> we did. We, we knew we were going to be going into some open tundra, we knew that it was going to be more dangerous. So this time we finally had the funds as a group that we decided to pick up dog sled a dog sled i think we got three dogs and three axe beaks and yep. really prepped to go out into the tundra this time so we weren't like hey let's trudge through the tundra and try to <laughs> brute force our way through the really really negative 50 degree weather we i thought it was it was good we actually had the chance to plan did a little bit of prep work went out into the tundra it wasn't very long, I don't think, maybe an hour or two after we cleared the edges of the woods, this really odd event happened for us. And the it becomes like super brilliant. This brilliant, glaring blue strikes out and it's blinding. And suddenly we are in daylight, like real daylight something that we have not experienced in months maybe years at this point mm -hmm. and the sky is blue and like we can feel the warmth from the sunlight you know this is something that we have not experienced as a group in a very long time i mean i don't know i found it like as a character i'm like this is oh my god this is amazing and it didn't last for very long what was it? Just a couple of minutes, maybe? If even. If even the first time. And then just as quick as it started, it was ended. You know, and it got dark again. And we but it's along the path. Scream on the wind. At yes, the end of it. We, too. Yeah, that's right. We've we heard a scream on the wind. That's right. And then but it was in the past. So we 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 found Vernus's tracks. Well, we think is Vernus's tracks. We found some sort of tracks heading off in this direction. Mm -hmm. But this brilliant light came from along the path that we're heading, anyways. So we keep following the tracks, and the tracks lead us to this. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's it's 
a, a, a ramshackle, abandoned, just decrepit almost lodge, like wooden, maybe yeah. a hunting lodge, a couple of outbuildings yeah. near a and collapsed it. barn, uh, and it's some and other it's collapsed like outhouse half, or something. Yeah, and just half leaning over. Uh, uh, I mean, a, a chasm, right? Like just this sort of a walkway around the border, the outside of the mm -hmm. uh, part of the uh, half the cabin is sort of on solid ground. And then the other half leans out of this chasm with this little walkway that kind of leads around and appears abandoned. I think, uh, yeah, just a, an abandoned lodge is what it appeared to be. Yeah. And we did see the, the tracks kind of went up to the lodge and went around it and then kind of headed off. But mm -hmm. at this point it's, I, I, I think it's getting close to night. And we're like, we were not going to be able to track this. And it's, and we already know because we're closer to the open tundra, we're in the open tundra. It just gets really, really cold at night. And having any sort of shelter, even if it's not ideal, is way better when it drops to negative 50. Yeah. Well, and at the same time, we're like, we're pretty sure that this, whatever just happened that made it day <laughs> for the first time in a couple months or years is nearby. Like, Right. It could very well have been here. You know, the, the origin of this this light and the source of whatever the heck just made it turn to day all of a sudden. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we make it in. First room we go in is really this work. I mean, very clearly a workshop. You know, there's there's tools around. I mean, it's it's messy like a workshop. We kind of look around. We can see, but it's not connected. It's It's connected to the building, but there's no door to the rest of the building right i mean there's yeah. a whole nother wing of this building but this room is not connected we look at it and we're like uh, i'm not so sure we figured well we'll try to send somebody who's very agile across this you know this very rickety i mean there's missing boards clearly missing boards on this walkway mm -hmm. right it's not safe <laughs> so we figured We'll send the monk. He's very agile, but we're going to tie a rope. We thought ahead. We're going to tie a rope to him just in case something bad happens. And thank God we thought that far. Because something bad happened. Something bad <laughs> happened. And I don't even think it was necessarily a bad role, but it was, yeah. He, he, like the boards collapsed. I think I made it through the first step, but then the second step, like just the whole walkway in front of the door into the main part of the building just collapsed and my character goes sliding down towards the chasm but the party did a good job they captured you know stopped it and Yanros was had to be pulled back up yeah i think <laughs> i will uh, the lesson i've learned from this particular and and there's some more stuff that happens but when ben describes something as like abandoned and like I, I'm sure he took some time to describe how kind of broken and old this this building was like and that there's like a chasm nearby, like mm, keep, keep that in mind. Like <laughs> you should take that seriously. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, and then we just kind of stumbled around a little bit, trying to figure out how to get into the other half of the building. I didn't feel like we were, I don't know, particularly thinking well when we hit this section. <laughs> no, we, we were talking about breaking through walls. And then like, I think Brian Deacon, Basically, like, is there, there's like a window in that room, right? Well, we drilled a hole in one wall so we could see into the room across, and that room had a window. And then, like, Brian was like, Well, is this part of the building's on ground, right? I'm like, Yeah. Ben's like, Yep. 
And they're like, can we just go through that window? Like, break that window? <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I, I love the point where you guys were like, we're going to drill a hole that outlines Koth. And then Koth can Kool-Aid man his way through this wall. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's I wanted I wanted to smash through the wall. I guess well, that was my idea. <laughs> well, the worst part was and this is one of those things that you know that Ben brought up earlier, which is Brian, he's a very low-key guy. He said it kind of quiet and everybody kind of looked at him and then went on debating for a while. But the short version is at the end we turned around, went out through the window and in through the window. So Long story short, we probably should have listened to Brian from the start. We got, yeah, we did go just go through the window. <laughs> Yo, man, we get into there. We get into kind of the main hall of the building, and I believe Ben described it as just mm-hmm. stinking of rotten. No, sorry, burnt flesh, and there was sort of smoke and char smell. But also, there's like frost covering everything. So that was interesting. This room, there wasn't frost covering everything. Oh, no, right. That was the other rooms. This room, the there's rooms. only one thing that Frost was covering, right? Well, no, in, in this room, though, what was interesting is we did find the paperwork for somebody who had been there. You know, they've specifically made, the, they thought that what they were doing there was a fool's errand. So at this point, we don't know what's going on in this building. We just know there was something crazy that happened here. And the guy said, hey, I think three is better than two but I think the plan is folly. And we're like, okay, this makes no sense. This was the note between two, who we assume to be two tinkerers, right? That's what you're referring to. We found a, Absolutely. a sort of communication between two and they referred to themselves as tinkerers uh, and they were working on some project. Yeah. But the, uh, uh, they named it in the, in the note. What was it called? The summer star. Is that right? Summer star. I think it was that or the dawn star or something, something like yeah. that. Summer star. They they did say that was the thing they were trying to that was a fool's errand. Yeah. So, you know, from there in this one small bedroom, we move into the main area. And and like Hot said, there's there's definitely it smells of burnt flesh. There's um, a very clearly charred area in the middle. It's very clear it's charred section. There's a humanish body in the middle that is charred, very clearly charred, and a really weird device, you know, with uh um, you know, obviously a, some moving parts and it looks like I, if I recall, like some sort of bluish crystal in the middle and everything around it looks burned except for the device and this, you know, bluish crystal with two count them two concentric rings that look like they rotate and move around this object. Uh, but what's interesting is, is the device in the middle has frost on it. If I recall. Yeah, the device is frosted over. And, you know, we checked out a few other rooms. In the one, I remember Lindell, you know, is trying to sneak across the floor and move. This oh, is where I don't think GM he was almost got it. Well, he oh, no, was no. just saying he, he tried to walk carefully, right? Wasn't he? I, was he trying to run and kick I think the door he tried out? to run and kick down the door, and that's what caused all this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he hadn't kicked down a door. Yeah. He um, really wants to kick down he that really door. really want to I kick mean. down that door. And he wants to be like the halfling bullet that just takes out a door. <laughs> the halfling you know? bullet. That's a good, yeah. But, uh, you know, he found wine in one room. Another room um, I found, uh, it was a nice fireplace, but blueprints 
of this device on this floor, which, which, I mean, I stared at the blueprints. They didn't make any sense to me other than I could see it was obviously for that device, but I couldn't translate any of the stuff. I, I think the last room was like another bedroom type thing, if I recall. Yeah, that sounds right. You know, the nice thing is we had the mage and well, what was interesting is, is I had wrapped up the, the blueprints, you know, we, we kind of played around with a couple things and we had made the decision that something was definitely weird, but we, somebody was going to take the device and I put the blueprints in my bag. And then immediately I kind of felt a tug on my bag with the Mm -hmm. blueprints in it. And I'm like, well, that's freaking weird. And I shared that with the group and they're like, well, that's kind of weird. And was it then that Swifty had, like, he heard Swifty a voice. and Deacon did. Or was that somebody else? In the uh, might have been I'm going to point out, and I know it here, yeah. like, I had to push you guys kind of kind of hard here. And there's a reason. Yeah. There, there, there was a, there, there's this, yep. these things, this, this, the, this whatever ghost or whatever that was do that potentially doing this that's definitely a part of the adventure so it wasn't something i was making up on the fly it's definitely mm-hmm. all kind of part of it but it's presented in the book this adventure that this part of this little mission that you went on is presented in the book and i modified it a little bit not the not the actual cabin pieces but some of the encounters that went around it like the encounter we're going to talk about in a moment the part here that you got a wizard in the group and then a sorcerer. Both of them were kind of knowledge orientated characters and neither of them spoke up about these blueprints, about wanting to check them out or investigate them. Like, I'm not, I don't just, it was like, neither of them cared. I never heard them say a thing about wanting to look at these, these diagrams and see what was going on. And so it was, okay, well, I got to kind of poke and prod you guys. Cause this is definitely a piece of the puzzle you can figure out. I mean, I will give it. I think Sean in particular isn't uh, the biggest fan of doing the pu- or solving the puzzles, so I think he was maybe checking out a little bit at this point or something. I don't know, but I got you pointed. I got you. I got you back on track. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. It worked. We we got. Yeah. There it, it worked. I thought it was a good prompt, and then. Yeah. Yeah, so for the night, we decided to, some of us were pulling the animals in. I handed the blueprints over to Swifty, and he really kind of ran with that side of it while I was helping other people pull in, like, animals for the night. We didn't want them to freeze to death in minus, you know, 50-degree weather and stuff like that, so. Yeah, Swifty Swifty basically went over the blueprints and realized that he could probably correct and repair the device with all of the stuff that's in the workshop there you know with his wizardly knowledge and the tools that were available and i mean pretty much like spent the the night like rebuilding and adding i mean like the based on the note like and the blueprints like adding the third ring and fixing the device to 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 match to yep he had some lucky dice rolls there oh okay And he and he completed it, and in the morning, he was like, yeah, "We had a fully complete device." Yeah. Well, and the 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 fun part with any time you deal with these things is everybody is in my mind in the main mind frame of, okay, the last time this device was activated, 
there's a giant scorch mark in the middle of this building. Who wants to touch it? <laughs> and I guess we should say that we knew from the note and the blueprints and what Swiftio was able to learn that we that that the intention or uh, ability of the device theoretically was to be able to control the weather. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we we and we think we saw what it was able to accomplish but then yeah it <laughs> totally toasted the dude in in this in the lodge here so we were yeah. hesitant so we gave it to rika <laughs> rika our non-stop super bubbly super happy to to test stuff out but uh but it was the one of the only sources of healing in the party also <laughs> details I didn't think details. of that we uh, i think i i was like hey look she had, she knows about nature this is about weather it's a nature thing like that was the justification <laughs> you used as i recall <laughs> <laughs> should have thought about her uh, being one of the healers yeah mm -hmm. yeah so, I mean, we did move away from the building. We decided we didn't want to be in the building when it exploded. Yeah. So we figured maybe if it wasn't as contained, it wouldn't be so bad. But, you know, we stepped outside. Everybody stepped a little ways away from her. And she activated it. And suddenly we get the same thing that happened before. I mean, and it looks like, if I recall, it was about a two-mile radius. Or was that something like that? So for like two miles all around us, the weather has returned to normal. Like there's actual sunlight. There's actual blue skies. There's warmth coming down that we have not felt. And the device is making some funny noises, but it's working, right? It'll occasionally make like a clank or a... I, I kind of take that to mean it's not 100%, but yeah, 90, 95%, it's working pretty good. And then, as you can imagine, this did not make Ariel's champion very happy. So, <laughs> you know, we see Vernus kind of arrive. She's a good distance away from us. This throws us into combat. I, I always love this visual for me, Ben, because it this was very similar to what you did with Sephic. But I love that visual of she drops her hands and two ice daggers appear, just like... Mm instantly and it's just a great visual with this like hey we're going to combat <laughs> it's there's no question it's just she's aggressive she's got ice daggers let's go she she had an objective and it needed to go through you guys to get to it yep we entered into combat, and the monk follows his standard protocol, which is he's just the fastest, and he knew he could get to Vernus the quickest. So um, took off, took all his movement. You know, he's probably way out in front of the rest of the party. But then her when she finally gets around to going, uh, you know, she summons these three ice spiders, and suddenly my monk is surrounded by three ice spiders, and... How do I want to put this? Like the way I rolled really, really well in session nine and session 10, let's just say I flipped that a little bit in <laughs> session 11. I mean, it, it is, as Ben has rightfully pointed out to me, I had a few really good rolls tonight already, but then we hit this combat and I felt like I just kind of threw those out. And then I just proceeded to start rolling a sequence of ones 
like, hey, you're going to get poisoned. Roll a constitution check. And and I, I have no idea how difficult it was meant to be. I don't need to know. All I know is I just kept rolling ones and twos or <laughs> five. And and for I, I know that's stunning, but it you don't make a lot of checks that way. Yeah, uh, yeah maybe maybe Andros has a little fear of spiders or something. I mean, hey, know. maybe maybe it's just a latent thing that I just <laughs> I just forgot about, you yeah. know. And I haven't seen spiders in a few years because it's so cold, right? <laughs> so yeah. yeah. It was but, an interesting uh, combat. I mean, we you were engaged with those spiders, and I was trying to kind of get up to you, but again, it's just not as fast by half with some of your abilities. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, a good almost maybe a hundred behind us is the rest of the party, which is mostly ranged people. And uh, Lindell can move pretty quick, mm-hmm. but once Vernus set the spiders on you, she sort of like dipped off kind of let them do their thing and took herself out of the combat temporarily and then would just sort of later come back in and just swoop in and uh, do her little uh, misty steps to get to where she needed to be without putting herself in too much danger. Yeah. And just, you know, being able to move and then make that sort of teleport jump is a really, I mean, it's a hard Hard thing to deal with, especially as a melee character. You know, the funny thing, though, is I don't think I recognized it at the time, but we'd seen that effect before. Sephic yes. did that same exactly effect. Exactly the same thing. You're right. Yep. And, and and I remember how frustrating it was for us back then, but we hadn't fought Sephic in a long time. Yeah. And I well, feel I think- like... we Go ahead. No, I one of the, at that point, one of the... When we the battle where we killed Suffolk, we had a couple. I think I used something that that knocked him down, or somebody knocked him down, and we like managed to kind of stop his movement for a little while, which mm-hmm. really helped. And we just didn't have, we didn't do anything like that with with Vernus. We couldn't, we couldn't sort of manage her movement very well. No, yeah, we we just with, I mean, Eonros is certainly the character that has the best speed. So he could have gotten to her every round, which is what he did with Sephic. But he couldn't do, like, with him being locked down by the spiders, because the poison yep. was, if I got poisoned once, it would cause one effect. But if I got poisoned a second time, it would basically slow me down as well. And I kept failing twice. But then this whole thing is going on, and one of our casters, first round, rips out a fire spell max one of those spiders and it just nukes the spider i don't even remember what they rolled i didn't think it was a really huge amount of damage oh, but no i mean to me it was like oh fire ice great two thumbs up right that was a really cool effect and then and then the casters are like oh vernus is coming right at us and and i i totally understand where their heads went they're like vernus is now behind the melee we probably should nuke her while we get the opportunity. Yeah. And my character's like, please take care of the damn spiders. Um, yeah, we could have done but a better it. But it wouldn't have mattered. I, I was failing yeah. all my constitution checks. So I really, I don't think it was going to end well for me, no matter what happened. But yeah, it was really interesting. And Rika, of course, at this, so it should share what Rika's doing. And Rika yeah. is holding the device, she's protecting the device. And staying in the back, trying to 
keep this going because we have a feeling that this device is probably weakening Vernus, but we don't really have proof at this point. We, I think we got a little bit of hits on her, but it wasn't like a lot of damage on her at this point. And so we go a couple rounds. Rico is like, she's like, well, I can, I'm going to set it down and maybe it'll keep running. And she sets the device down and it stops. And then that, of course, means all the weather stuff goes. And if I recall, we immediately noticed Vernus started regenerating yep. at that time. She immediately started healing as soon as the the night came back. Yeah. But, and then at this point, Vernus is within striking distance of Rika. And she does, she throws out two ice daggers and... For, I think it's fortunate. I don't. I mean, Ben's not going to share. That's okay. We forgive you. But she whips out the you know one of these daggers, and and I think one of them impacts with the device. Yes. And it's just. And then my brain immediately says, "That's what happened the last time. The guys launched it, and the reason there's ice on the device and frost is she smacked it with an ice dagger." Mm. So at least that's where my head, and I have a feeling if it had been running at the time, that Rika would have taken a lot of damage. <laughs> yeah, that's what I interesting. think. My theory. I had a good chance of getting a couple of you through this session. There was, <laughs> I think, three times, three times it would have been probably instant character death. No. So the yeah, so so uh, the drop into the chasm, the second drop into the chasm, where, which I don't know if we cover, but. When when little tried to kick down that door in the cabin, in the lodge, the floor collapsed underneath him and into the chasm, and he managed to definitely Barely dance out of the way. Saving throw. Yep, he, he... I mean, it, it, it's a rogue. He's gonna pass. I mean, he's got a nice deck saving throw pat yeah. bonus, but you know, still, it's a dice roll. You you never know when that one or two is gonna come out and get you. Oh no, I I, I know it happened a lot to me <laughs> at the end. <laughs> yeah, well, and then I guess I mean you got uh, eventually just hit enough by the spiders that you dropped at some point too. Man. Oh, I did. I yeah. did. I just, I mean, it, and it wasn't like, I mean, don't get me wrong, Ben. I felt like you were rolling really well because, you know, we don't, I mean, but it's kind of one of those funny things when your level goes up, the creatures do hit harder and it's not yeah. like they always do more damage, but their to hit is usually higher. And suddenly we're like the, all these creatures are like, I'm sorry, I can't hit a 14. They're like, yeah, I, I can hit a 16, 25, 20, <laughs> you know, like, Damn. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you were rolling was, pretty well. I felt like against me. I, I was I was chipping probably a hit a turn, one maybe or two. two hits the first round. Yeah. But I was also it's it's action economy, right? Yeah. I basically had two to three creatures attacking you, and your action economy, uh, because of the effects that were getting yep. put on you, were made made you basically you were getting one attack to their two or three. So yeah, it's yeah. like I was rolling attacks at advantage at you. And when you roll at advantage, those you're going to hit up, you're going to get a hit every round, Absolutely. right? It's, it's just, it's almost inevitable. No matter what, regardless of what your, your to hit bonus is, right. you're, you're likely going to have that, you know, have that opportunity. So it, it probably from a player perspective felt like these things were ridiculous and way overwhelming. But in reality, it was just that you were, you, you a series of situational bad luck yeah. coupled with no one assisting you yeah, that's uh, the biggest left problem. you kind of hung <laughs> yeah. out to yeah cough got there eventually and helped but you know it was really you know tied up 
it did an excellent job, far better than I was expecting, of tying up you two so that the rest of the group, you know, Lindell is basically just kind of trying to chase chase her around, backstab, trying to backstab and realizing that backstab doesn't work. <laughs> and then, you know, so there's there's another damage machine that's kind of mitigated. Um, yeah. But I, I think it, it, it made the combat go for several rounds. I think we blew through those rounds really pretty quickly. Yeah. And uh, it's it's almost, I will say this about Vernus, it's almost like she had seen your tactics before. I I kind of felt like that uh, a little bit. Mic drop. Well, that's where my head goes to like the whole concept of the avatar. So I feel like Ariel is sort of like taking over these they're bodies. Just, they're just hosts then. Oh man. That's kind of almost what it feels like. Interesting. To me, right. Ooh. That's, that's where my head goes with it. And I may be completely off target, but, but it was interesting because then I, and I, you know, funny thing has been, I didn't equate it to being over like over like the creatures were too hard hitting. Cause he's right. I mean, I think it really came down to action economy and my character lives and breathes on, bonus actions mm -hmm. and the effect of the poison was twofold one i went I, I lost my bonus action which is devastating to me because i need my bonus action to trigger like my my flurries and my other things and so suddenly i'm down to one attack and oh by the way it's a disadvantage so <laughs> i mean i'm not hitting because like when and, and i think you're right ben on action economy a, a a monk doing flurries i'm kicking out three or four attacks i'm gonna hit with one or two of them and do a decent amount of damage just by sheer number economy right where now i'm doing one roll at disadvantage constantly I, i'm doing nothing to the spiders and all i can do is try to get away yeah. you know the, the rest of the party did a pretty good job on vernus but and, and then the other one that kind of caught me off guard is she was healing until Rika hit her with another silver stone. And then she stopped I healing it perceptually. She only she only healed once. And that was the round after device. The lights went out. The the device stopped working. Okay. The, I I will note that she did get another round. There was two rounds there. Uh, that it was in darkness, and she did get an uh, an activation between that round, uh, after that round, where she did heal, and uh, the next, you know, that next round. That second round, she did not heal, but I don't believe that was the round she was hit by silver. I think she got hit by silver after that, uh, after the last or after that last time she activated. It felt like she got hit before that to me. Because that was the round Rika had dropped the device so that she could use the silver thing on her that round, which was the round that Vernus, whatever. But it, it's it's a probably a misstep in my head. But in my head, I go, I'm not sure why silver has the effect it does, and it could be any magic item. But she seems to stop healing for some point. And I felt like that was the same thing that happened with Sephic. And mm -hmm. like Sephic was like, he just kept healing every round. And then all of a sudden we hit him with silver and it might've been coincidental. Cause it might've been the same round. I think you whipped out one of your magic hammer things on Sephic many, many ages ago. And it might've been just coincidental that you both did it at the same time. 
but it always felt like we hit Ariel's person with silver of some sort, and then they stop regenerating. Could be totally off base. You don't need to correct me. <laughs> but it's just a perception. I don't know if you're correct. Anyways, but the 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 casters and that were able to take him down, take her down eventually. Like you said, it was kind of amusing to watch Lindell keep chasing and trying to get the backstab. But yeah, but I mean, the in my mind, that's all completely legit stuff. One because she obviously has some abilities. She obviously rem- wh- whoever's inhabiting the body remembers having fought us before. But if I recall, like uh, certain undead are immune to grits because i mean a thing that i would hit you with if you were alive isn't as effective if you're dead if i recall like backstab is not as effective or something yeah it was immune yeah when when lindell went to hit it if i remember right it was also dark out at that point Mm -hmm. when he got the back the first backstab attempt against burn us off and yes at that point he, uh, Jason was a little like what do you mean I don't get my critical I mean this creature is immune to your backstab <laughs> and so he was like oh and then I gave a really good des- description I think of stabbing it right in the, where, where, right where you, you would think the spleen is and stinking his rapier really deep but nothing nothing really came out of the wound after the after the stab no it was a good uh a, a good way of describing it to kind of keep yeah keep it in mind that like this is an animated dead body but we did we defeated vernus or the raised vernus then the spiders exploded oh yeah they did <laughs> that's right spiders did explode so i thought it was a good at this point it was a really good point to to wrap up we kind of as the final thing said, well, we're going to wrap up Vernus's body. We did not attempt to use the device again. It does not look like it's not damaged anymore. But, you know, the funny thing is coming out of that session, I actually had a lot of hope because in my mind, we're like, we've, we fought the avatar twice and we came out on top. We now have blueprints for a device that, maybe with the help of the dwarves or some other people we could scale up and mm. weaken her hold in this area right so i'm like looking at this going we have a potential for like real progress at this point yeah it's the it's the closest thing we've seen to uh, like a potential solution to to the eternal night really it's pretty cool any other comments you guys want to have on on that before we maybe dive into some of our role playing highlights or other thoughts that you guys had? No, I was I was just happy to to be playing D and D again. <laughs> it will be interesting to see what happens with the Summer Star and what happens next. All right, and how you guys deal with it. All right, Ben. So what were your favorite? Maybe, I mean, I know that we got three sessions. There's a lot to pick from, but there's also a lot of time that has passed. What's kind of the most memorable things from your mind, like role-playing or other fun things that just happened in these sessions? My, so one of the interesting things that, that technology allows is that when we have downtime, I'm able to 
pull players aside and address maybe some some one-on-one role-playing situations or or resolve some things in a more one-on-one way that doesn't doesn't involve us having to burn actual table time. So we had another opportunity for t- for downtime uh, with the the training and the the midwinter's day and, and all of that that happened. And so some of my favorite things that happened that were like really big major things, like big major plays on backstories and and other things like that happened in those direct message sessions. And unfortunately, because he didn't come up at the table, I can't share them right now. Shoot. I meant to, I meant to kind of ask if people could give a quick summary of what they kind of did in the off time. Oh, I should, I should have done that. Dang. Mine was oh. not super exciting. So don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, yeah, didn't do anything. So. Should have asked. Apparently, a lot of those guards were not uh, monk, 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 whatever monastic people. So I didn't train any of. How about you, Justin? Anything that really stood out to you? I just, uh, I mean, I had fun stepping back into Koth and just being stupid Koth with with Goliath, with the Goliath I was talking to, and and just you know having that interaction. There is so many cool little reveal moments and special things that happen. Like all of a sudden it's daylight. Holy cow. What's going on? So like we try, we were, we're trying to do these like, Hey, we're just trying to get in this house and like it's collapsing and people are like nearly falling to their deaths. Like I think Ben, you do a very good job at keeping the tension and the excitement up. Even when it seems like you might just be doing kind of mundane things, trying to, get into a building like nope there's there's more going on how about you matt i i completely agree with the concept of just the thing that really brought me out was you know obviously the fun little interaction that we had in tourmaline with the other adventuring group was just a lot of fun i thought that was a great role-playing moment you and the other like watching the other two like it's it's definitely the two i will call them most um Let's just say they they're not the smartest or brightest lights in the nope. in the That's forest, right. but the reality is it's just hilarious to watch these two play off each other and basically be like, "No, I'm stronger, and we do great <laughs> things." And it was just kind of it was just kind of a fun little interaction and like just kind of like looking at the elves and the the mage, and we're all like, "We're not going to say anything. Those two can just keep going. They're not really in charge, but we're going to let them go." <laughs> Uh, that was just a lot of fun and like you said i i just really enjoyed the like the concept of this we have a device that has the potential to make a big impact so um you know i i thought those were both really really fun aspects of the last few times i mean you know plus like i said giving rika the opportunity to really take advantage of her class i mean that's that was the fun part is like actually i always love it when somebody can take advantage of their class and like use the abilities they have because up until those last few adventures she hadn't had the chance to really change into a shape and use it now it's like oh we're gonna do something cool so i don't know i thought it was fun yeah definitely cool cool thing any particular learning points something that like just kind of stood out to you other than maybe the one you shared ben that um you know don't don't be telling the gym what you want to roll anything that you thought just even as you learned as a gm in the last two three sessions 
I don't I don't I don't know that I have a lot that I can I can share as far as things I've really learned. I think the the biggest thing and I and I mentioned it earlier on on this was if, if you're sitting in the GM chair and you need to enter something into the game that your players will find enjoyable and interact with and maybe have a lot of fun with pulling from popular culture sources is a great way to do that and uh, in this particular case it was you know matt you recognized uh the the wizard who was raceland like i don't know that anybody got on you know completely put the connection or or is a big uh, watched enough critical role to to equate the Goliath with Grog, but uh, or the the el the the elves that were there were the, the I think the elves I was I was kind of playing them as the twin elves from that same season one critical role, uh, Vex and Vax, um, but uh, those bringing those kind of elements into the game it was it, it let me think very quickly on my feet, while at the same time. It's a highlight for you two, kind of as uh, as part of that session, uh, almost more so than than the big encounter that was at the end of the session. So um, that that brings that you know that bring that makes me happy because it was something that I I really didn't plan for. I didn't really have a good answer for it. I kind of thought of it on the fly and I made it up at the fly. And now I feel like I need to really flesh out the ball eaters. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Like, like even to the iconography that I was envisioning, I I made that all up. That was all on the fly. Well yep. done, well done. So I was impressed with myself. Well, and it was. I mean, it's just kind of a fun little like thing. And you know, initially we're like ball eaters. What the hell? And then when like you just kind of drew it out of the guy at the end. I mean, it's like talking to Koth, right? Like sometimes the first words out of his mouth are not what actually means. Is and like you kind of like eventually like oh. They're called the ball eaters because he obviously like they beat a beholder or they or they found a dead one and maybe ate it. I mean, I don't know, but it sounds interesting. <laughs> so you might have to encounter you might have to encounter him again. I, you didn't even swap names with him. So but you might have to encounter him again to find out what that story really is about. Yeah, it's interesting. So how about you, Justin? Anything that you felt like in those three sessions you kind of learned or just kind of took away one thing i just wanted to tack on to ben's idea of yeah i'm, I'm gonna tack onto his dm tip to kind of give the player aspect side of it from my perspective instead of being like hey i'm rolling investigation or whatever you should just be thinking about what your character wants to do and tell the dm what you're trying to do like i like i want to look through this character's pockets for money or magic items or whatever or I'm trying to search on this wall for like levers or push on it for hidden passages or something like that. Like think, put yourself in your character's uh, shoes and describe what your character is doing. The DM's job is to f translate that into, you know, what kind of role is appropriate. Like, like I think people want to play it like a game a lot and so like well what can i do what am i good at like oh i want to be able to do an intimidate role well like instead of trying to play it that way just 
role play more and say what your character is trying to accomplish. That's, I think, what the, the player needs to think about when they're trying to get a role out of the DM, like describing it in a way that might lead them there. But again, DM gets to do whatever, tell you what role they want. But if you can describe what your character would do in detail, that's sort of like, I feel like the player's job on uh, from that perspective. So, uh, Totally fair. I feel like my takeaway is uh, just been discovered in, in this session as we were talking. And, uh, you know, one of the things I don't feel like I'm particularly good at is, like Ben said, we have this wonderful technology. We do have downtime. Uh, the, the DM gives us these, you know, 10 days or, or whatever. It's, it could be a day. It could be 10 days. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but you get some downtime. And I don't feel like I, as a player, have taken good advantage of those. I mean, we had some great interactions. Um, there were several level ups where I had a lot of interaction with the GM, but uh, just due to things that go on in my work, I haven't been particularly interactive on it on the downtime. And 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 I'm I'm almost a little disappointed to have Ben be like, "Oh yeah, there's like some really great stuff going on." And I'm like, "Why well, did squat?" <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you have those opportunities, and in depending on how your campaign evolves, and you do do some things. You know, take advantage of those times and very much like, you know, Justin just described, just describe what you think your character is going to do with that time. Let the GM run with it. Don't don't be afraid to speak up because I I got busy. I didn't take advantage of it. And, you know, now I feel like I might have missed an opportunity there, Ben. But uh, sounds like there could be some fun things that are going to show up here in a little bit. But, uh, you know, I look forward to them. So. I will say this last downtime, I did not push everyone or tell everyone to tell me what they wanted to do. You kind of had, I told you what you were going to be doing. You were training these guard, but I did tell you that if there were items or whatever that you wanted to purchase, you could go ahead and make those purchases. It was easy enough to Mm -hmm. acquire anything common magic. Come to me. Let me know. I then reached out to people. So don't feel too terrible if you didn't get reached out to this time with stuff because it was really more me in the driver's seat trying to set certain angles or start to set certain angles up in some of the stuff that's going on in the back, yeah. the background uh, with character backgrounds, which is where, like with Sean's, we had to actually resolve it at the table because unfortunately he didn't have enough time or right. couldn't come up with a good enough response to come up with how he was going to back and <laughs> forth it, which was which is fine. But I don't want to, you know, in, in all fairness, I'm trying to, I have I have technology. I can avoid burning an hour of game time where everybody's sitting there mm-hmm. yeah. resolving one-on-one encounters. Well, and to be fair, I mean, and, and this is just me sharing with the, you know, our listeners is, from my perspective, the last two, uh, yeah, really the last two adventure times have been very Eonros centric because this is the town I grew up in. So there's a lot of interactions going on with things that I know about the town. And it's kind of been one of those perspectives where my character feels like they threw, threw themselves forward a little bit because this is where they grew up and they feel very invested in this area. So it's good to hear that, you know, we've got other people kind of coming up and I'm, I'm always fascinated to hear their stories like Rika's whole thing with Revison was, was, you know, really interesting to see develop. And I feel like it's like you said, Ben, we've, we've teed it up for her to have a potential, basically she has the chance to, to turn a leaf, you know, something that maybe isn't in the base module, but 
it'll be interesting to see what happens because when we bring her sister back, but you know, it'll be interesting. So, all right. This was long. We appreciate you sticking with us. It's, it was three sessions, you know, next time we're going to try to get the recording done right after the session. So, uh, it'll be one session. We'll be able to go into a little bit more depth about what happened in the individual session. And, uh, this will be a little bit of a shorter episode. So really appreciate you staying with us and, uh, listening to our stuff. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you leave a review of this show wherever your favorite place is to find podcasts. Oh, and by the way, give us a like on our Facebook page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest while you're at it. If you haven't looked recently, make sure you catch up on the blog at wiscodice.com. Hey, Brian, what's that site? Oh, darn. I forget. Uh, Justin, what's our website again? Wiscodice.com. That's right. It's wiscodice.com. And until next time, everyone, peace out.